0: The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. Hey, Happy New Year, New Song Church. I hope you had an amazing Christmas, and I hope you're enjoying this day at home with your family. Uh, Obviously, we are not together as a church family today, But let me just encourage you. We really tried as much as we could to resource you with things that would help you to not only receive ministry for yourself, but would also empower you to do ministry today for your kids. So on this page, there's some lessons for your kids, whatever age they're at. Download those and then go over those with your kids. And let me just encourage you to own those, those lessons. Have fun with them, make it a ton of fun and, and realize this today you get to be your kids' children's pastor. So have a good time with that. Also, just a reminder, uh, next week, we're kicking off our new series called It Is Written. And we're starting this year off focusing on being in God's word. I believe the word that God is is saying to us as a church is this, 2018 can be the best year of our life if it is the best year in the word you've ever had in your life. So we want to help you to get into the word like never before. Uh, So to go along with this, next week, next Sunday, we're starting our 21 days of prayer and fasting. And we have created a great devotional that I think is really going to help you uh, study the word and dig into the word like you never have before so that you can put the word in front of your year uh, this year. So make sure you're back with us next week and be thinking and praying about what you feel like God is calling you to fast over the next 21 days. All right, so today we are going to look at a story of a guy in in the Bible uh, that was a a major major difference maker in the world around him. Uh, Nehemiah is his name. And if you have your Bible, turn to the book of Nehemiah chapter 1. And we're looking at this story because I believe that God is calling each of us, every one of us to be difference makers in 2018. Uh, I believe that inside of every one of you is a desire to make a difference. You, you Not to just kind of go through life, you know, treading water and just trying to get by, but to really impact the world around you in a significant, real way. I don't know about you, but for me personally, I, I know for me, I don't want to just kind of you know, live and die and that'd be the end of it. I, I want to feel like the world has become just a little bit more like God, uh, w- the way God wants it to be, because I have been alive in this world. So so that's why I want to look at this story today, the story of Nehemiah. Now, let me give you a little bit of history as we jump into this this morning. Uh, the people of Israel have been defeated, and, and most of them have been carried off into exile to this place called Babylon. And this story takes place about 150 years after that original exile took place and about 600 years before the birth of Jesus Christ. So it kind of gives you an idea where we're, where we're at here. Now, Nehemiah was a descendant of, of the people who had been carried off into exile, and now he is serving in the Persian government as the cupbearer to the king of Persia. So it's his job to taste the food and the drink of the king before the food is presented to the king, uh, not, to, not to like make sure it's you know tastes good and it's up to the standard, but really to make sure that it's not poisoned. Now, maybe you're wondering why would anybody apply for like this job? Like that does not sound like a job that you would want to have. Like if you have that job, a good day means you're still alive at the end of the day, and it just doesn't sound like a lot, whole lot of fun. But. In, in reality, a cupbearer is more than just like a butler or a dude that was just tasting food to see if it would make the king croak. He was actually someone the king trusted, someone who had a lot of access to the king and really had a good deal of power behind him. So so Nehemiah is doing pretty good for himself, and he was well-connected to the king, and he was on a very successful career path. So at the beginning of the story, we see Nehemiah asking uh, the people who are returning to Jerusalem about the status of what they saw. So this is a group of people that have been to Jerusalem. They saw what's happening in Jerusalem. Nehemiah's never been there and they're reporting to him on the status of what's going on, right? So this is Nehemiah. Chapter 1, starting verse 3, it says this. They said to me, things are not going well for those who return from the province of Judah. They are in great trouble and disgrace. The walls of Jerusalem have been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. So the walls are torn down, the gates are destroyed, there's no real protection for for this city. When I, and this is Nehemiah talking, when I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. Now, you may be hearing this right now and you're kind of wondering, like, what what was the big deal here? Uh, It kind of reminds me of this. My my parents grew up in this little town in West Texas called Cress. And Cress is kind of like if you've ever seen the movie uh, Cars. Crest was kind of like Radiator Springs. At one point, the main like road, the main highway, went through this town that they grew up in. But then there was this new highway built, and when that highway built was built, it bypassed their town. So now people didn't go through that town anymore. And because of that, the town just began to dry up and die. And now, so from time to time, I'll go back and I'll visit like my grandma who lives in that area. And some of my cousins and family members, we'll go back and visit them. And we'll go back and kind of check out where my parents grew up. And when you go there, the town is just, it's like a ghost town, like the buildings are falling apart. There's no businesses there. I mean, it's, it's literally like Radiator Springs. Now, when I go there with my family, I don't find myself like weeping and crying and so sad because their, their, their town is, is falling apart. Like I could care less. So why is it that Nehemiah cares? Well, the temple, uh, the place that housed the presence of God was in this, this city of Jerusalem. And, and the temple, because the city now has no walls around it, it's under constant attack. It's being ransacked and it's being looted and, and so on. So because of this, there was no real appropriate place for God to dwell among his people. And that's why in verse four, uh, it says, when I heard these things, when Nehemiah heard these things, he sat down and wept. This news broke his heart. When Nehemiah was, was crying over, what he was crying over was he really cared about these people and he cared about the cause of God and, and the people of God. And, and the people, he realized that these people were living so far below what God intended them to to be living at. They, they weren't experiencing life the way they were supposed to. These people that were, they were vulnerable. They were they were open to defeat. They, their, their lives were in shambles. And this is what broke his heart. He didn't even live there, but it was breaking his heart. Now that brings me to my first point this morning. I actually have seven points for you this morning that we'll move through fairly quickly. But here's my first point. Difference makers see the problem. If you're taking notes, write that down. Difference makers see the problem. You know, difference making often begins with a a sense of holy discontent. There is a very personal, very deep response to some area of brokenness that we see in the world around us. Uh, Generally, in the heart of a difference maker, before there's a vision of what ought to be done or a path, That can be followed and how to do something, there is just this intense, passionate frustration over some area where we see God's will not being done or we see an injustice in the world around us. Uh, Generally, in the heart of a difference maker, um, before there's a vision for what ought to be done or a path that should be followed, there's an intense... Passionate frustration for some area where God's will is not being done on earth. And it just, it just gnaws at us. And I think we all need to consider that in our life, is it possible that there is some area where something is really bothering us? And that God's calling us to this. Now, I'm not just talking about, you know, if, if everything bothers you, let me just say that. If, if you're bothered by all sorts of stuff and you just get upset about everything, then you're just cranky, okay? I'm not talking about just being cranky. I'm talking about a real sense of what the Bible calls holy discontent. It, it's where you you consider the possibility that God is calling you to make a difference in that area. Maybe for you, you you look at the world and you see the poverty in the world and that just bothers you and you want to do something about it. Maybe you look at education. Maybe you see the the crisis that's going on with with orphans, uh, the crisis that's going on with sex slavery. Uh, Maybe you see the trouble that marriages are facing today. You see these things and it just bothers you. You know, in the world we live in today, there's kind of a natural tendency to, especially in our culture, that if there's things that kind of bother us or they feel unpleasant, you know, to us, we just kind of want to push those things away, right? Like we, we change the channel or we, we do something else to escape from it or we medicate our ways so we don't have to feel that stuff. We, we can kind of push that to the side, but listen, difference makers do just the opposite, they expose themselves to the thing that fires them up. They, they read about it. They study it. They immerse themselves in it. They go to see it for themselves. Also, this fire burns brightly inside of them that they, they want to feed so they can make a difference. Now, I don't know what area of your life that may be today. I don't know what that is, but maybe God is calling you to something. What problem are you seeing in the world around you that God may be calling you to make a difference in? difference makers see the problem. That's the first thing we got to do. Now, here's the second thing that characteristic of someone who is a difference maker. Number two, difference makers pray first. If you read through the book of Nehemiah, most of the first chapter is a fabulous prayer where Nehemiah pours out his heart before God and he does this this morning and fasting and praying, not just for like a day, not just for a couple of weeks. It was actually four months that he spent praying and fasting. For four months, he he pours out his heart to God every day. For four months, he's, he's seeing the problem, he's thinking about the problem, but he doesn't do anything about the problem other than pray. There's an old, there's an old quote uh, that I love by a guy named Oswald Chambers that says, Prayer does not equip us for greater works. Prayer is the greater work. See, we cannot underestimate the power of prayer in our life. And yet, very often I see that people struggle with prayer. And, and I've struggled with it myself. Why? And I think one of the biggest reasons why is because so often in prayer, we, we pray and we don't feel anything. Sometimes we don't see anything right away. And, and so because of that, uh, we kind of fall into this danger of if we're not careful, we can begin to allow emotions. We allow our senses to get in the way, and they sway us from doing it. And we begin to question: Does this really matter? Is this really necessary? Is this working? Am I wasting my time? Is this really making a difference? Well, James five sixteen says this. It says the the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Listen. Uh, prayer matters. It's powerful. When, when we pray, coincidences happen. Godly coincidences happen. When we pray, there are doors that open for us. There are doors that close for us. And listen, sometimes closed doors are really an answer to prayer that you need. When we pray, things change. But most importantly, here's what I found. When we pray, we change. I, I think a huge part of prayer is, is in not just what it does for us, but what it does in us it changes the way we see things. Through prayer, we see the world differently. Even in the most menial and, and trivial daily tasks of our life, we start to see a greater purpose in some of the things that we do when we put prayer in front of them. And prayer helps us to see God's plan and learn from God how we can better fit into His plan. Difference making always starts with God. And the language of God is prayer. And so Nehemiah spends four months just praying because difference makers pray first. Now, here's the third characteristic of someone who is a difference maker. Difference makers step out in faith. Difference makers step out in faith. The next thing that we see uh, Nehemiah doing is he, he steps out in faith. He, he goes to see the king. The king is, is named Artaxerxes. He goes to see him, and he brings this matter before him. Now, it's important that you understand that this was a really big deal. Uh, one of the reasons why Jerusalem is in ruins that it's in is because of this king. Uh, he had issued this edict that said that there would be no more building in Jerusalem. So, so he brought all the building, all the construction, all of that work that was being done in Jerusalem, he brought it to a halt because he was afraid that the Jewish people would, would rise up and they would be opposition to him and to his kingdom if they were, if they were allowed to build. So, so now Nehemiah is going to him. He's going to him and he's trying to convince him to change foreign policy that he had created and And allow him to rebuild, and so he goes to this king and he pleads his case, and it's amazing. The king says yes." And so Nehemiah, like he's on a roll now, like he's feeling good about this. So he decides to ask him for some more stuff. So he goes to him and he says, also, King, uh, I'm going to need some letters of reference that will give me authority. I'm going to need authorization and power. Will you write these things for me? And the King says, yes. And so he keeps going even further. He says, oh yeah, King, we're going to need materials. We're going to need supplies. Would you pay for them? Would you uh, allow royal lumber to be cut down and, and pay for the reconstruction of Jerusalem out of your budget. And the king says, yes, it's amazing. And and this, this shows amazing faith on Nehemiah's part. Like you got to realize this was back in the day when simply like upsetting the king's mojo was enough to get your head lopped off. But Nehemiah keeps pushing and the king goes with it. And, And you know what this shows me? It shows me this, that that one person who is wholly devoted to a cause bigger than themselves is really hard to resist. Now, something else I think we see here is, remember, Nehemiah was the king's cupbearer. He had a really cushy job. And all his friends were out working in the field. They were working hard. They were sweating. And he's inside and he's like sipping, you know, the kings from the king's table and eating fruit platters and food platters from the from the king. I mean, it was an easy job. And he had to risk losing that. Beyond losing his life, he's risking losing this cushy job that he has. He's got to step out of his comfort zone, step out of what he knew. And I'm sure during this time, he was he was asking himself, do I have the ability to do this? I've never led people like this before. I've never built built a wall before, but but he stepped out in faith and he said, Lord, use me. Use me however you want to use me. And and this is the word that I believe that God is putting on our hearts for New Song this year. Uh, I want to call you out a little bit. Today I want to call you out to take some steps to be willing to step out in faith in the spiritual journey that God's calling you to. We have to we have to step out of of maybe maybe for you stepping out into what God has for you means putting your past behind you. Stepping out of your past, stepping out of things that you've known from the past, from old habits, old problems, stepping out of that and into what God says and and putting those things behind you so you can let God begin to do a new work in you and you can hold on to the destiny that he's got in front of you. I'm going to lay hold of the purposes that God has for me this year. I'm going to step out in faith and into everything that he has for me. That that needs to be the cry of your heart. Nehemiah couldn't do what he was called to do in the palace. He had to step out. And if we're going to do what God is calling us to do, we need to follow his lead and, and step out in faith. So, here's the here's the fourth characteristic of someone who's a difference maker, right? Take notes, write this down. Difference makers step up and fight. As we look at, at Nehemiah, another thing that we see in in his life is that he from the very beginning, he's got a fight on his hands. Um, in fact in, in Nehemiah chapter 2, We see him making his way to Jerusalem. And as he's going, he's rallying the people to start building the walls. But right from the beginning of chapter two, we see that Nehemiah is met with this opposition. He's got people that don't want him doing what he's getting ready to do. They don't want these walls being rebuilt. And they have this enemy, realize this, the walls have been down, so they've been able to ransack them and taunt them and kind of have their way with them all these years. And so they don't want to see this wall getting built up. So they, they they come up with a plan and they start to plot on how they're going to attack and stop this from happening. Uh, and the people of Israel kind of find out about it and they're nervous and they're scared and they don't, you know, they're, they're, they're not sure how this is going to work out. And Nehemiah, this is his response to that. Nehemiah chapter 4 verse 14 says this, then as I looked at the situation, I called together the nobles and the rest of the people and said to them, don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord. And that's something that we all need to do when we're facing tough times. Remember the Lord who is great and glorious and fight for your brothers and sons and daughters and your wives and your homes. As you and I step up to lay a hold of the things that God has for us, that he's destined for us to to be a part of. As we step out to build the ways of God in our own lives and in the lives of our families and our friends, we need to remember and we need to expect that there is going to be some opposition. There's going to be a fight. You need to expect a battle. Expect that that there's going to be some, something coming against you, trying to stop you. Uh, because there's a reason why. Think about it, There's a reason why the walls of Jerusalem had, had gone down to begin with. Someone attacked them. And there's a reason why they have not been built up yet, because someone was keeping them from being built back up. In the same way, you know, we deal with that in our own lives. We, we have a real enemy that doesn't want us building our lives on the principles of God's Word. He he wants to take those broken areas of our life and He doesn't want those being fixed and rebuilt. He wants to keep those destroyed and knocked down. He's the reason that we have those areas and He wants to keep them down. The enemy knows that If he can just keep you, your heart ever so complacent when it comes to the things of God, if he can just keep you slightly consumed with the things of this world where you're not really going after the things of God, he can keep you ineffective uh, and he can keep you from being a threat to his kingdom. So we have to be on guard against that. Jesus said this in John 10 10. He said, The thief, which is talking about the devil, Satan, says the thief's purpose is to steal and to kill and to destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. There's an enemy and he's out to get you and he wants to rob things from you. He wants to kill you. He wants to destroy you. He wants to leave you in ruin. Now, after Nehemiah gives them this rallying cry to fight for their sons and daughters and your homes, it goes on to say this in Nehemiah 4.16, From that day on, half of the men did the work while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, arrows, and armor. The officers posted themselves behind all the people of Judah who were building the wall. Those who carried materials did so with one hand and held a weapon with the other. And each of the builders wore his sword at his side while he worked. Okay, here's what I want you to see. They were ready for a fight. They were ready for an attack. They were on the alert. They had their armor on. They had their swords ready and drawn. They had their spears with them. They were ready to fight. And listen, the same has to be true for us. We have a real enemy who really hates us and wants to attack us and destroy us. And we need to be suited up and ready for the fight. Ephesians 6 10 and 11 says this, it says that we're to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. We're strong in his might, his power. But verse 11 says, put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the, all the strategies of the devil. Every day, as a Christian, we got to suit up. Difference makers step up and fight. We, we got to suit up. We got we to gotta grab our sword. We got to grab our spears. We got to be prepared for a fight because our enemy is going to bring one to us. So get ready for it. Here's number five. Uh, difference makers stay on track. Difference makers stay on track. The next thing that we see that we need to learn from the story of Nehemiah is this. Don't get off track. Don't forget what you're fighting for. Don't forget why you're here. Don't forget what's really important. Uh, In verse 21 of Nehemiah 4, it says this, We worked early and late from sunrise to to sunset, and half of the men were always on guard. I also told everyone living outside the walls to stay in Jerusalem. That way, they and their servants could help with the guard duty at night and work during the day. During that time, none of us, not I, nor my relatives, nor my servants, nor the guards who were with me ever took off our clothes. We carried our weapons with us at all times, even when we went for water. So here's the point. These guys were focused. They knew that they had an enemy that was coming against them in Israel uh, and, and was after them. And so they didn't allow anything to distract them from the job at hand. Now, So often, something I see in the world today is we get distracted so easily. We get distracted by life, texts and Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and all these different things. Satan wants to distract us. In fact, I would say this. I think another title for Satan could easily be the distractor because he's a master at this. He's a master at at keeping Christians distracted because if he can keep us distracted, he can keep us from the plan of God and what God wants to do with us. I have even seen this. and I think this is a dilemma we see a lot of times with younger people is we get distracted by time. Here's what I mean. The, The distraction that we have is that we feel like we've got all the time in the world. We can kind of do things however we want to because we've got all the time in the world. Well, let me just ask you something. Who told you that? Because that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says this in Psalm 39 verse 4. It says, Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered, how fleeting my life is. The Bible says that our life is like a vapor. Listen, you don't have all the time in the world. Your days are numbered. And the enemy wants to distract you so that you waste your days and you waste those days that you have missing out on what God wants to do in you and through you. So if we're going to be difference makers, we need to stay on track. We, we got to make sure that we're not getting distracted by the things of this world, that we're staying focused on the job and the task at hand. Here's, here's the sixth characteristic of someone who is a difference maker. Difference makers, number six, difference makers don't go alone. Difference makers don't go at it alone. Uh, realize this, God created man in in his image. And his image is the image of plural. See, God is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He is three persons in one. And he created us from that image. So as people, we operate at our best when we are functioning as a team and we are functioning in that image. When, we're, when we operate a, according to, to that, we walk in dominion. It, when, we, when we are working with other people, walking with other people in our marriages, but also within the marriage to the bride of Christ, which is the church. In fact, the Bible says this, it says that one person can put a thousand to flight but that two can put 10,000 to flight. So, so here's the idea. According to scripture, two people operating together in faith are 10 times more powerful than just one person alone. You know, as I, as I think about the future of New Song, I look at what God's done to this point and I, I think about what's in store for us, what's out there for us. I believe that God has called this church to be a movement, that, that God wants to use us as a people to, to make To bring radical transformation to this city, to this area, to this region, to this world for Jesus Christ. And when I say that, I'm not talking about just like, you know, moderate change. I'm talking about deep hearted life change, culture change, generational change, a transformation that that takes place in this city and in this world that is felt, that makes a real difference. That's what we see happening in the life of Nehemiah. He turned the heart of a group of people back to God because of his obedience. A group of people that were devastated and in ruin were turned back to God. If you go on and read the story of Nehemiah, if you fast forward into Nehemiah chapter 8, you see that after the walls are built, uh, after they get the reestablished uh, the temple, it says that the people turned back to God and they prayed, they praised God, and it says that they worshiped the Lord with their faces on the ground. And in chapter 9, it says that they were fasting and they were repenting of their sins. Because of one because one man said, Let's let's build this thing, let's let's reestablish God in this nation of people. Because of that, people turned back to Him. But listen, really, it wasn't just one man, was it? It was a lot of people. It wasn't just Nehemiah because, listen, difference makers don't go alone. And Nehemiah wasn't doing this on his own. In fact, in Nehemiah chapter three, uh, we read one of these chapters that, that we often skip over because it's, it's one of these chapters that we just have a bunch of names that we can't really pronounce. So, you know, these are typically the chapters that if you're you know reading this in your Bible reading plan, you, you skip past it because you can't pronounce these names and you don't understand how God's gonna speak to you through this. But but he does. In fact, in this chapter, it's very significant for us today because in chapter three, Nehemiah begins to make a list of every person that helped rebuild the wall, every person that, that helped build a gate, every person that was responsible for getting that wall back up. Now, why did Nehemiah take the time to list all these people out? One simple reason, because every one of those people was critical to the success of that wall being built. Every one of those people was important to those walls going back up. These were men of different professions. Uh, not They weren't professional builders. They were not trained in the art of building walls. These were people that it could have been really easy for them to make an excuse and say, you know, this is not something I'm, I'm called to do. This isn't my thing. But they didn't do that. They jumped in and they did the work and they fortified Jerusalem, even though many of them would not be considered qualified or able. Uh, but here's what they were they were available. And that leads us to point number seven. Difference makers are available. Difference makers are available. One of the greatest things. That we have to offer people and that we have to offer God is not our ability, but it's our availability. And and realize this, there are people in this city that God has called us to make a difference in their lives. Uh, And to be honest with you, I don't exactly know how it's going to work, how God's going to do it. I don't know what that'll look like, but I know that it comes from us being available, That all we have to do is be available. All we have to do is allow God to work through our availability. You see, I believe that that I believe this. The most important ability uh, in the work of the Lord in your life is availability. The walls of Jerusalem were rebuilt because people were available to help. See, God, He's not looking for perfect people. He's not. He He's just looking for available people. That's all He needs. As I was thinking about this this week, I couldn't help but kind of reflect on some of the difference, the different stories in my life of of different difference makers, people who've made a difference in my life, stories and situations where I've seen uh, God use people to make a difference in my life. And as I thought about that, one situation really stood out to me. Uh, As many of you heard me share this before years ago, um, I was a very immoral person. I had some major issues in my life with, with lust. I had an addiction to pornography and it ruled and, and totally dominated my life. Uh, thank God I've been free from that for years. And, and when I finally started finding freedom in it years ago, it was because I started doing things God's way. I started working with my family. I started working with my wife and I was able to, to overcome and, and move past this problem. But I started having this other problem I would be sitting at my desk at work or I would be driving in my car and an image from my past would kind of pop into my head, an uh, image of something I had seen or done, and, and when it did, I would just have this horrible oppression and anxiety would come all over me and I would feel just really strong condemnation and shame to the point that, that I, would, I would get shortness of breath and I would physically shake. And uh, I remember when this first started happening I would try to you know kind of overcome it do whatever I could I would I would uh, I would try to you know pray and make it go away. I would speak the Word of God I would I'd pray in the spirit I'd get up I'd walk around I'd do anything I could to try to make this feeling that I, I was feeling go away but it just wouldn't go away so I thought well I need help so I should call someone. So I would call my dad and, and I would talk to him about it. Now, understand this about my dad. He's, my dad's a minister. He's been in ministry for, for 40 plus years. Uh, he knows the, the Bible backwards and forwards. I figured if anyone could help me, it would be him. So I'd call him up and I would ask him to pray with me. And he'd, he, man, he'd pray these powerful, word-filled prayers. And he'd tell me how I was going to overcome this. But to be honest, I'd get off the phone, I'd hang up, and I'd, I wouldn't feel any better still kind of feel this oppression resting on me. Now, I didn't want to bother my wife, Sarah, with this at the time because because she had been dealing with so much of this already and I, I just felt like this burden was something I had to carry. I'd brought it on myself and I needed to carry it myself and I, I need to overcome this on my own. So I don't want to throw this on her, But, but I wasn't getting any better. I couldn't get this to go away. So finally one day I just decided, okay, I'm just going to call her up And I'm just going to let her know that I'm struggling and I need her help and and just see what happens. So I I called her up and I told her, hey, babe, uh, I haven't done anything wrong. I promise I haven't done anything wrong, but I'm just really having a hard time right now. Uh, Would you pray for me? And I remember I called her, I said this, and and she said, yeah, I'll be right there. And she hung up the phone like kind of quickly and after she hung up like i got even more nervous because i was like oh no she's mad at me i knew i shouldn't have called her i knew i shouldn't have done this so i went back to working just kind of waiting and uh, not too long after that i I got a phone call and it was her and she said uh, i'm outside come on out so i walked outside and i got into the car and uh, she had a big smile on her face and she had a root beer uh, with two straws in it and she gave me a big hug and she just talked to me, and she prayed with me, and she made me feel loved, and it made all the difference of the world. Uh, that anxiety melted away, that that depression died. And she didn't really say anything real profound that day, but at that season of my life, in that moment, she was anointed like, like no one else to help me. You see, Sarah, in that season of my life, Because she was appointed to me as my wife in marriage, she was anointed with me to bring strength to my weakness. Because she was anointed and appointed and because she made herself available in my weakness, I found in her the strength of God. And it made all the difference in the world. It was a game changer. Now listen, we are called to rebuild the city. We are called to rebuild the walls and, and to establish God's kingdom here in this earth. You have been anointed and appointed to do this if you're a child of God. You and, and I are the body of Christ. We are the hands and the feet of Jesus. And, and He wants us to move and speak uh, it, it, with His power and with His word. The Bible says this. It says that the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives in us. That's the anointing of God. We have the anointing on us. We, we all have been anointed to preach the good news. We've been anointed to bring this message. And here's all that means. It means that when we obey, the anointing will take over. If we'll just be willing to, to go out there, that God will use us. But listen, we're not just anointed. We're appointed. We're appointed in our families and in this city. We're, we're here for a reason. God appointed us to, here to, to model what it means to have a life full of hope in Jesus. With the appointment from God comes the anointing from God to carry it out. Second uh, Peter 1 verse 3 says this, By His divine power, God has given us everything, everything we need for living a godly life. Here's another way of saying that. Uh, when we step out in faith, God will step in with favor. God has everything we need. Uh, this is what we see in the life of Nehemiah, because Nehemiah was willing to step out in faith. He he went out to do what he went to do with all the authority from God. He he had he had papers from the king, he had materials from the king, he had an entourage from the king. He went out with an assignment, with, with, with into this assignment God was calling him to, guarded and protected by the king. I want you to see this year as we move into this year, as we step out to do this assignment, to build and rebuild the walls of of this broken down city around us, this broken world. Listen, we have been empowered by the King. We are empowered by the Holy Spirit. We have full authority of God to do this, this calling, to do this assignment. He is for us and not against us. We can do it. We can be difference makers this year. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes right there, wherever you're listening to this, watching this this morning? What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? I believe this. I believe God's called us to do something significant this year, to make a difference, to rebuild the walls around us, to rebuild the walls of our homes, our families, our marriages. God has empowered us and given us everything we need. We've been anointed and we've been appointed to do this, and we can do it. As we move into this new year, I want to encourage you to really grab a hold of this truth. God has some powerful things He wants to do in your life. But in order for you to step into those things, you're going to have to step up and fight, step out in faith. You're going to have to be willing to obey God. you have to be willing to see the things that not everybody else is seeing. And if you'll do that, God will use you in a powerful way. Let me pray for you this morning. Lord, we thank you for New Song Church. I thank you for everyone that is listening to this message. I pray, Lord God, that that you would minister to our hearts right now, that you would show us things, Holy Spirit, that you'd speak to us and help us to step into what it is you have for us. God, we're grateful for the calling that's on our life, and I pray that you would uh, not only anoint us, but appoint us to the people you've called us to reach. Lord, use us in a powerful way so that we can be difference makers in the world around us. We give you all the glory and praise and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. New Song Church. I will see you next week. And as we go, remember, I got to say this. You are the head and not the tail. You are above only and not beneath. You're blessed coming in and blessed going out. And everything you set your hands to will prosper. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, Go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.